What's your name? Dominic Latkovsky. What's your occupation? I'm a sports entertainer. How would you describe the superstars to somebody who has never seen them before? Superstars are a group of inflatable characters performing dances, tricks, acrobatics, choreographed goofiness at sporting events all around the world. Well, if you've ever seen the superstars before, then you're nodding your head and you're smiling and you go, oh yeah, I've seen those guys. Those guys are hilarious. If you've never seen them, well, it's probably because you haven't gone to enough sporting events. And coming up on this edition of Life Around the Seams, we visit with Dominic Letkowski, the founder of the superstars, exclamation point at the end, to learn how this act was born, what it's like seeing the world through huge inflatable animal characters based on famous athletes, and how it's become a family business. This is Life Around the Seams. Former Major League pitcher Jim Bouton once wrote, You spend a good piece of your life gripping a baseball, and in the end, it turns out, it was the other way around all the time. Welcome to Life Around the Seams, a podcast about baseball people who have interesting stories from between the lines, and sometimes even more interesting stories outside the lines. Here's your host, Josh Sushan. Dominic, thanks for joining me here from the winter meetings, the trade show that you have attended. You've just packed up. How many years now for you attending the baseball winter meetings trade show? Oh, goodness, Josh. Okay, our first one was in December of 92. This is December 2018. So I'm always bad about trying to figure out like when the twin year at their 20th anniversary, 25th, and you count this year and the next. So it's like 26 years more or less. Something like that within a year or six. This has become quite a, a what a life, what a career. So let's let's kind of go back here. If you were say like age ten or twelve, and I was your mom or dad or your yep. teacher or guidance counselor, and I would have asked you, "What do you want to do with your life when you grow up?" What would you have answered? Well, at the time, I, I would not have known what I would have said. I was going to be a professional basketball player or a professional soccer player or something, because of course I would thought I was really good. And I was, but I'm, I wasn't. I was decent. I was halfway decent enough to get a partial Division II soccer scholarship, and that was about, about it. But just after 12 years old, around 13, 14, my older sister uh, was dating a guy who was the mascot for the local minor league basketball team in Louisville, the Louisville Catbirds. And so uh, I was hanging out with him quite a bit and hanging around him, and of course, would go to games with him. and and see what he did, and this was also right around the time of the, the San Diego Chicken doing all of his shenanigans and becoming very popular on This Week in Baseball and everything else that he did. And, and, um, and this guy, my, my sister's boyfriend, Danny, he, he was really good at what he did, and, and I was his side, not a sidekick, I was his assistant. I was carrying his bags around and helping him out at, at shows and things, at his, his gigs, and I thought, man, you know what? This would be really fun to do something like this for a living. So I think as early as 13-ish, 14-ish, I thought that 
this was something that I would like to do. And then what about going to minor league baseball games at Louisville? Yeah. You go as a kid, and you and did you see yes. Max Patkin oh, yeah. and the chicken? Yeah. And, yeah. So that, that further established that into my mind. So in 82, so I was born in 70, so in 82, 12 years old, the, uh, the Louisville Redbirds came to town, and Louisville was starving for minor league baseball. We didn't have a minor league team for, for a number of years. And so when it came back, Louisville was the first minor league team to draw a million fans, and, and it was a big deal. And um, so I was out there with my family for every my, – my brothers, my dad. You know, my dad was an umpire, a basketball referee, and he, we, we would go out to every single – I was at every single game. And so – We'd go out to the Louisville Redbirds game, and we'd sit down, sneak down, and sit in the front row right above the dugout, and we'd, you know, get to know the players and the the, the coaches and the ball bat boys and all that stuff. And so, going to every single game, I mean, I remember being at all the games, but the games that I really remember, and I can still see, you know, clear as day to this day, is when Max Patkin is out coaching first base. The clown prince of baseball. Clown prince of baseball. Featured Bull in Durham, Bull Durham. Bull Durham and... And uh, and then uh, the San Diego Chicken would come into town. Morgana, the Kissing Bandit, Dynam- uh, Captain Dynamite, back back then as well. And I can remember all those special events. You know, I I, I remember a lot of the games, but I don't remember specific things about the games. And I remember a couple little giveaways here and there. But I remember, you know, those those uh, vivid memories of the traveling acts that would come to town. And I can see Morgana running across from. The right field, right right field corner across, calling timeout and going out and kissing the third base, uh, third baseman, you know, and so so those are the things that I thought at that time, like man, that'd be so cool, be in Louisville tonight, Evansville tomorrow, Columbus, Indianapolis, wherever, and just travel around and perform. You ever talk to any of them and to kind of learn about the business, or how did you get started? Back then, no, I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and I didn't at that time. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't set in my I didn't have it set in my head what I was going to do. Fast forward a few more years. So then, so I was at Redbirds games. I probably didn't miss but a handful for the first three or four years. But then I got 15, 16, that age where, you know, you get in, involved with, uh, uh, you know, friends and, and girlfriends and, and uh, doing all kinds of soccer stuff and diff- different things in my life. And so I was doing, going to the games less at that, at that age. And, then when I got to uh, college, I saw my dad actually noticed it in the newspaper that the Louisville Redbirds were hiring a new Billy Bird performer because the one who the guy who had been doing it, Billy Johnson, who now lives in Las Vegas, oddly enough, uh, he was retiring from doing Billy Bird. He had done it for several years, and so they were looking for a new Billy Bird. So dad's like, "Hey, there you go, Dom. There's your, there's your shot right there." And I was busy soccer, working three jobs, trying to pay for college, and and place you know doing all these different things and went out tried out for the job got hired to be billy bird and uh i think i was their second choice at least that's what they told me the first guy that they wanted declined the job they called me like hey you you got the gig what's the tryout like it wasn't really a tryout it was more just an interview I, i went out there and told them about you know my 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 experiences with uh, Danny the the gorilla the the gorilla for the the cat birds and I didn't have to get in a costume I just talked to him told him about some skit ideas told him my, about my infatuation or uh, um, you know love of what the the chicken and Max Patkin and 
Morgana on what they were doing and, and uh, just told them how much of a big sports fan I was and that I was a class clown and I was a goofball and, and I could dance and I could do these different things. And so they, they called and said, hey, all right, you're in. You got to start, you know, we got the first game tomorrow night and we need you to come and pick up the costume and drive out to the costume lady's house and get pick these, the feet up and do this and get this. Rep- so next thing down, they're like, yep. Yeah. And, and how old are you at the time of your first game in costume? I was 19. You're 19 years old. If you don't 19. mind me asking, how much money did you make? $35 a game. 35 a game. Is this a lot at the time? Are you excited or are you just well, happy to do it? One of my, my other jobs that I was working, I was making minimum wage. So at the time it was three. Three eighty-five an hour, I think. So I was working at the homemade ice cream and pie kitchen, and I was working overnight as a as a valet at an apartment complex, a fancy apartment complex. So, so all of a sudden, I'm going to be working three hours and making thirty-five dollars. So that's over ten bucks an hour, and I'm going to get and I get to go out on the field. And I'm at ball games, and people are asking for my autograph, and and I get to act like a goofball, and people clap and laugh at me, and I'm like, yeah, this is so much better. And I was refereeing basketball because our dad, my, my, my dad was a basketball referee, and so we were refereeing games and umpiring and doing all that stuff too. And at those games, people, they yell at you. Like, they don't, they don't like you. Right. Yeah, they don't like you. So now I'm at games, and people are clapping, and they're laughing at me, and they want my autograph. So I like that a lot better. The first time, the first game, you, you put on the costume. You go out there. What, what are some of your – are you nervous? Are you excited? What are some of your memories about the first time that you're performing? Well, I remember thinking that I couldn't see very well out of the costume. Now, th- and gr- granted, this is a costume. This is the thing that, you know, we can kind of get into down the road. This is a costume that the San Diego chicken and or his mom, I guess, made for the Louisville Redbirds. So Billy Bird didn't look all that different than – the San Diego chicken. I mean, it was red, but it had the same style, the same beak, the, the eyes were made. You know, the look of it, you could say, it looks like the, the chicken's cousin. Okay, so I'm, I'm in this, this Billy Bird costume, and, um, and, it was, and it was cool, but I couldn't see very well out of it. So that's what I remember, first of all, when I got in it, like, okay, I can't see very well out of this thing. But, it, you know, this is the costume they gave me, and I got to make the most of it. And what year was this? This was in April of 1990. April of 1990. And you just told us that the first time you went to the winter meetings was 1992. So mm-hmm. describe between 90 and 92 what you're doing before the first time you go to the winter meetings. Well, you So I go out in this, that first 1990, April 1990, I started the job. And Billy Johnson, who was the mascot before, he, like, he, was, he was really good at it. And he was good at getting publicity for Billy Bird. And, and everybody thought that he did a really nice job, but he had, I guess, was ready to move on and move on to other things. Whereas here I am, 26 years later, and I'm still doing it. So he he was ready to move on, and they hired me. And and right off the bat, people were like, "Wow, you know, you're really good at this. You're you're good at you know, you're doing a good job. You're doing great." And I'm like, "Oh, thanks. You know, appreciate it." And I was just giving it my all, and I was you know sweating, sweating every night, losing weight, and and you know just going balls to the wall if you if i may say so and and just going nuts and people but people said hey you're really you they kept giving me praise and and my boss was like yeah we're gonna pay you more next year and and so um then a couple of fortunate things you know that looking back on it these were the things that really helped springboard us to to success and in 1991 louisville hosted the triple a all-star game 
So the next summer, Louisville hosted the AAA All-Star Game, which, of course, you know, I knew it was a big deal. I didn't know how big of a deal it was. I didn't know that the Edmonton Trappers uh, general manager and a couple of their people would be at the game and the Albuquerque Isotopes and – or, excuse me, the Albuquerque Dukes, Pat McCurden and, uh, uh, you know, people from all across the country – all the AAA teams would be at that game. I didn't realize it at the time. Again, I'm only 19 or 20. I'm worried about, you know, my girlfriend and scoring goals at soccer and and signing autographs for little kids or whatever. I didn't realize the whole how, how big of a deal it was. And so, but I remember before that. Now, so I'm kind of jumping around here. But doing in 1990, we started doing Billy Bird. When I say we, my brothers, my brother Brennan, who's my, been my partner at this business for so long, but also my older brother, who's just helped us here and there over the years, and then another guy as well, we were all doing little routines. So so they would do the Blues Brothers as part of my act, and then they would do the dancing umpire routine, which was our dad's creation. They, he said, hey, borrow one of my uniform umpire uniforms and go out on the field, and then you guys bust into one of your dance routines. So they would help us with skits. And then when the All-Star Game came around, my boss said, hey, make sure you put on a really good show, you know, do some of your good skits and stuff, because he knew that they, wanted, they were going to have a big crowd. It was on national TV. It was on... USA Network or something, some cable channel. And and uh, so we did. We put on a big show and good show. And, again, it's still I didn't realize at the point, time how important that was going to be. Then the next year, 92, winter meetings. And and talking to my boss, they gave, you know, they paid me more each year. And he said, hey, if you're ever going to make a go of this, traveling, doing your shtick on the road, you know, the winter meetings are coming here. Put Get a booth, rent a booth, get a booth, put a video together. Let the world know. Let them, let everybody know about you. Did I read correctly that you scalped tickets to a Garth Brooks concert in order to raise the money to get your booth? Right. So I come from a humble background. Like dad worked his whole life. He, he would work, go work as, at the Courier Journal newspaper. And he, you know, worked, you know, whatever, normal, normal type jobs. And there was four kids. And, um, and then one, there was times where dad might have got, he got, uh, um, let's see, let go from, from one of his jobs. And there was a time where we were on food stamps. Even. So I mean, there was, a, it's not like we, we didn't come from a wealthy family at all. So I always found ways from when I was in school, I would go buy Jolly Ranchers for two cents and sell them for a nickel and make money at school. And then in high school, I would go to the Sam's Warehouse, which is like Costco, and buy uh, boxes of Twix and gummy bears and Snickers. And I'd walk around school with a duffel bag and sell the candy bars for 50 cents that I bought for uh, a quarter. So I'd go to school and I'd make 10 to $20 in a day when I'm walking around the high school, my high school making money. Because that way I have money. I, yeah. you know, I didn't have money growing up. That was cool for me. I'd go to school and make money at the same time. So, so I found ways. And then, then for around 14, 15, 16, I'd go out to a ball game. And I'd stand out front and scalp, scalp tickets. Somebody would walk in. I'd have my hand up. And they're like, oh, this kid needs a ticket. They'd give me the ticket. They'd walk in. I'd turn around and hold the ticket up. Somebody'd walk up and needs a ticket. Instead of them paying twenty dollars for the ticket, I'd sell it to them for fifteen bucks. Like, hey, you know, I just made fifteen dollars. I could do that. You know, I'd do that a few times, and now I'm fourteen, fifteen years old, and I'm making a hundred dollars standing in front of a, a, a concert, a, a basketball game, a baseball game, whatever. So I, I started learning, yeah, how to do that. And then I, Prince is coming to town, or Tina Turner, and and I'd go buy tickets and and scalp them and. So, but Garth Brooks was was my big yeah. I made a lot of I made a lot of money selling Garth scalping Garth Brooks tickets in the summer of '92. With that money, 
I invested in the trade show booth, the video, the uh, marketing materials to launch Billy Bird and Company in December of 92. $6,000 was what I had put up on the line. It's a lot of money. A lot of money for a kid who's 22. But I was entrepreneurial. I was ta- I'd take chances. You know, I'd, you know, it was not that big of a deal. And I, I had... I had uh, belief that we could we could get at least four shows, and we were like, okay, let's try to get some teams to pay us fifteen hundred dollars to do a show. The chicken at that time was making seven eight thousand dollars a game. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, and he was, and he'd come to Louisville, and he'd come to Louisville three times in the summer. So he'd come in May, he'd come in June and July once, you know, and they would be packed. And UPS, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Ford. Pepsi, somebody would sponsor it. This is what my boss taught me. He's like, yeah, you know, this, these these big companies, will they'll pay to sponsor the chicken, and then we'll give them a whole bunch of tickets for their for their um, employees. So then the Ford and UPS employees all come out to the game. The chicken puts on a great show. They pay to, for the chicken to appear. Chicken makes a lot of money that night, and everybody's happy. It's like, so you're hoping to get four shows in your first trade show. I'm hoping. You're hoping. Man. And how many did you get? 48. 48. Yeah, so the trade show opens, and we're, we've got our booth set up. Billy Bird and Company, the new bird on the block. Okay. Taking direct. And the company's your brother. My brother and I and our, our third our third guy. Uh, so now my sister, this is going to sound bad on my sister, but now she, this is another guy she's dating. And, and he's, he's doing uh, the Blues Brothers act, Jake and Elwood, with my brother Brennan. So they would do Jake, they would do the Blues Brothers, and I'd be in Billy Bird, and we'd go out and do a little – a little Blues Brothers bit as one of our routines, but he's he's a he's been in he's been he's worked at pawn shops and he's worked sold used cars. So this guy knows a little bit about business, right? He's a wheeler and a dealer. This guy, and and here I am still just a twenty-two year old goofball entrepreneur, but I didn't know how to necessarily have business dealings. So he's with us, and and we open the trade show booth. The the trade show opens, and we've got our booth set up, and uh, we got our video with our highlights and. Hoping for the best, and the doors open, and here come all the baseball teams. And I don't know what to expect. I've never been to a tr- baseball trade show before. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what the heck's going on. And all these people start walking in. They stop and they see our booth. And they're like, "Yeah, we saw you at the AAA All Star Game last year. You were great. You guys were great and stuff." All right, what's your, how much is your fee? Great. Okay, good. All right. Yep. Can you be in Edmonton on July twenty second? Yep. Hell yeah, we'll be there. Can you be? And then, hola amigo, cómo estás? Todo bien. Oh, muy, muy, muy bueno. Buen show. Yeah, in Monterrey, Mexico, in Abril. You know, my bro- so my brother Brennan, my partner, he can speak some pretty good Spanish, and I, I can butcher it enough. And and next thing you know, we've got a show booked in Monterrey, Mexico, on April twenty first. There, and then, you know, Medicine Hat Canada, and Asheville, and Clearwater. And, are you still doing the Louisville home games? I was still doing the home games. So that so Louisville gave me permission to do Billy Bird and Company for every day that they were not home. They're like, yeah, you can just make sure you're here for all of our 72 home games, and then book your shows around our uh, home games. So that's what we did. So so when Louisville was home, we couldn't do book shows. But then when they're on the road, we'd hit the road. And now looking back on it too, Josh, it's crazy. We did those 48 shows. In addition to the seventy that I was doing in Louisville for the Redbirds, so looking back, I did a hundred and twenty something games, whatever it was that that summer, and just you know do all the I mean, it's crazy just to think flying all over and yeah. How do you go from that show to Bird Zerk? 
So Billy Bird and Company, Billy Bird was the Louisville Redbirds mascot. It was this was their costume. We were they let us use it, and we were getting Billy Bird out there. And and you know for most of the teams, it wasn't a problem that Billy Bird was the Louisville Redbirds mascot. But like Indianapolis or Iowa or Columbus, they didn't necessarily want to hire the another AAA team's mascot to come entertain their fans. So so that didn't help that we were affiliated with the Redbirds. And the Redbirds at that point saw that we were on to something, and then they wanted us to sign a contract saying that they were going to get a big chunk of the money that we were making. And then we, once we kind of talked about it with one of our – my buddy, uh, an attorney and whatever, it just made more sense to break away from the Redbirds completely, from Billy Bird, and just start our own character. Not too dissimilar from what the chicken had gone through with the Padres back in the day when he was the Padres mascot or, and then broke free and – and from from whatever he was contracted with and started out as a, as a free agent. So that's when we're like, okay, we got to leave Billy Bird behind and we've got to come up with something different. And that's when we created Bird Zerk. What's it like creating the costume? Who who does that? Whose idea, colors, schemes, uh, philosophies? Well, it's not too different from this room that we where, where we did it a room like this we we invited all of uh, a lot of our friends a lot of the people that knew what we did and what we wanted to do we invited them to a to a little get together and said okay we're, we're leaving billy bird we're going to create this bird zerk character and we actually i think we didn't know the name at that time bird zerk it was um you know we didn't know we just couldn't knew we had to leave billy we couldn't call it billy bird anymore and but we I didn't want to also then go and become a uh, a gorilla or a, some random character like the fanatic, just some unknown thing. I wanted to keep something birdish because after now, after three or four years with this costume, I was familiar with the costume and I you can see now. I can see. I learned how to you know adapt so I could see and yeah, I, I learned how to figure that out looking through the beak and and all that stuff. And um, so. We had everybody get together and like, okay, what are we going to call it? Let's come up with some names. What kind of bird and and what is it going to look like? And so we got crowns out and markers and people like started drawing stuff. We, you know, and, and next thing you know, we came up with bird zerk. Made sense to us a bird, bird zerk. You go crazy and and uh, hip, you know, in, in kind of hip hop, off the wall goofiness, and. Um, and the colors, we you know, I don't know, we just came up with, that's just what we came up with, purple, green, and yellow, and when red box. When it comes to the different skits that you come up with, is it a similar thing? First of all, how much alcohol is involved when you're coming up with the skits? <laughs> uh, how much food is involved? And so, uh, let's try this, and, and who do you practice it on before you do it at a game? That's a great question. And that's where the my training, my, my time as, as Billy Bird, that all helped get that going because it was dad our dad who said you know hey get out there and do let Brennan be an umpire ask the umpires before the game say hey in the fourth inning do you mind third base umpire do you mind sliding out behind second and Brennan slide out of the dugout and and you guys you know come out and do your thing and nobody will notice there's an extra umpire on the field and then by that time the place will be going crazy and they did so dad that was dad's creation then we just implemented it, and it worked, and the friggin' place went bonkers, and, and we were like, okay, this routine works well, and that was that was our signature routine. Then Dad's like, hey, he figured out, uh, like, hey, take have one of the infielders take a glove out onto the field for warm-ups one inning, 
and then come out and mess around with him, steal his glove and go out, throw his glove over the wall, and let tell the guy just act it up. Right. You know, and 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 so my first guy was Razor Shines, famous yes. minor league. Yeah. Great guy. Still see him. You know, he's coaching. Great dude, and he would always clown around with me back in the day when he was playing, and I was Billy Bird, and and he did it, and and everybody, you know, people lost it, they loved it, and and so you know, and then then we do other skits that that would bomb, that would, and and my boss at the time, Dale Owens, who who passed away here recently, he was an amazing boss, and he was always telling me, let's do, let's do the crazier the better, let's try stuff, do stuff, let's go, you know. So he was always, you know, and, and then, and we, he, you know, stuff would be great at the end of the game. He'd be like, oh, you come in, high five me, pat me on the back. Great job. You guys are great and whatever. And then other times, you know, we'd try something and it would fail and it would flop and, and it wouldn't work out so well. And he'd come back and he's like, yeah. And he, and he would laugh just as hard at the ones that failed. And so it wasn't like, man, Dom, you really screwed this one up or whatever. You know, he's like, all right, whatever. You know, we learn from it and let's try something new. So he was always pushing me to, to do stuff. And then. Uh, another guy that was working in for the Redbirds at the time, I, uh, his little t- two or three year old son, was a, just a cute, the cutest little kid, and 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 he loved Billy Bird, and he could dance a little bit, he could you know do these little moves. So I took him out on the field one time, and and just did a little back and forth dance with him, and he's tiny, and, the, and it was just so funny, and w- so that was the start of our Mexican hat dance, Birdzerk dance that I've been doing ever since with little kids and. We go out on the field and do our, our routine, and the kid at the end takes his shirt off and flexes his muscle, and I steal his shirt and run off the field. And so that's been a big routine that we've done. So all these little routines, and then since then, you know, we've we've um, come up with other ones, and we've done some that have worked, and some of them that haven't. And you figure out what works. And to to me, that's part of the the fun and the spirit of minor league baseball is we're going to try, and we might fail, and yeah. if we fail, okay, so what? Learn from it. We'll learn from it, and we'll continue to figure out what does work and, and what does not work. Um, how hard was it to convince Brendan, your younger brother? Did he, did you have to um, convince him? Did he want to, did, was he, please, please let me do this or what? As far as a willing participant? Yeah. Oh yes. My Brennan and then my older brother Lex. And then this, the other guy, Mike Hamburg, who was our uh, third partner in Billy Bird and company. Uh, those guys were always on board and they were, you know, willing to, to, dress up as a grounds crew, ball player, umpire, whatever, and, and do the, uh, you know, get water, a bucket of water splashed on them or, uh, you know, get tackled or, or Brennan dress up like Morgana, the kissing bandit himself. You should see him. Yeah. With a big long wig and balloons in his shirt. And, I mean, it, oh, it was, yeah, you know, and, and he'd come out on the field and then, uh, you know, normally that shtick, Morgana would get arrested for running out on the field. Well, Morgana ran out on the field and did something and I was, I, he ran out and kissed me, Billy Bird, is what it was. But then Billy Bird got arrested okay. instead of Martin Morgan. <laughs> okay. Had the cop come out and arrest Billy Bird, and so you know we're doing stupid stuff like that. And and, it, and then um, it was always so much fun and and so so silly and so so stupid. But Brennan was always up for it, and and so he was always right there, ready to to assist and and play the role of the of the uh, the sidekick. And and uh, yeah, and here we are. Still working together 28 years later. Okay, and now the primary act is the is the superstars. Mm-hmm. The first character was Harry Canary. That's right. And again, this is your father's idea. That's right. Your dad's pretty smart. He's very smart. He's very smart. And, and so how, did, how does he what, – what does he say? How does he pitch Harry Canary to you? So we do Birdzerk. We launched Birdzerk around 95, 
and we do bird zerk for a few years, and we added uh, air bird zerk, one of the inflatable, the first real inflatable character that kind of the, the, the minor leagues saw. And we had seen the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They had an inflatable character that we saw at a cheerleading competition, and that's where we launched air bird zerk. So dad, uh, after doing bird zerk for a few years, he's like, guys, uh, yeah, you need to, let, 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 why don't we get just ditch bird zerk? And let's start over with Harry Canary. Just get rid, get rid of Bird Zerk and let's come up, get a new character, uh, Bird. You know, not too much different than Bird Zerk, a bird, but put you know white hair and big glasses, and let's call him Harry Canary. And you still do your routines, but then in the seventh inning, Harry Canary goes up with a big fake fake microphone and leads everybody with the seventh inning stretch. And we we're like, eh, you know, and he he was pushing this idea on us, and we're like, ah, oh, Dad, Bird Zerk's good, you know. There's there's nothing wrong with Bird Zerk, you know. People like Bird Zerk, and this Harry Canary idea, it's it's okay, whatever. But we kind of like, yeah, whatever, Dad. And we didn't we didn't really like like put put much thought to it. But he persisted, thank goodness, he persisted. And around right about that time, that, those inflatable characters, we we had a, another friend now uh, who was doing an. Uh, a character, a uh, uh, costume, inflatable costume character at the Louisville Cardinal football, college football games in this all-sport bottle. And the team was terrible at the time. So when the all, inflatable all-sport bottle, you know, Pepsi product character would come out onto the field at whatever time each home game in Louisville, that would get the biggest ovation because he'd come out and he was really, really funny at it. And he could do some funny stuff and and people loved it. So in working with this guy, we launched the Superstars. And because Dad's persistence with Harry Canary, Harry Harry Canary, we said, okay, well let's get let's make Harry Canary inflatable, and then let's not only make just Harry Canary, let's come up with some some more characters, and let's come up and we start thinking and like uh, Ken Giraffe, yeah, Ken Giraffe Jr., and then uh, Shark McGuire, Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken, and Pee Wee Geese. Those you know the original five. And okay, yeah, those are all those are all funny. We'll get all these different animal characters, names, characters, and and then this guy, um, you can go you can go traveling around doing that while Brennan and I do bird zerk, and then you can do this, and we'll call them the uh, the baseball bunch or the uh, the baseball crew or something. And like, ah, eh, didn't really sound good. And then we had another meeting, and we all got together and came up with. Superstars, yeah, that's it. Superstars, that sounds good. So, Superstars were born, and it was those five characters. This guy was going to go do it because he was funny at it. And we started working on routines and the show, what's going to happen, and then it all culminates with Harry Canary singing the seventh inning stretch. And it goes back to, yeah, we had some skits back then that were good and then not good, and we figured out what works. And I'm going to ask you about my favorite skit, which is probably your most famous. But before that. Did Ken Griffey Jr. ever meet Ken Giraffe, or did Cal Ripken ever meet Cal Ripken? And what was the reaction of the athletes when they saw their likeness? Okay, yes. Both of them know, uh, are well aware of it. Because, and and we, we don't have, because what we're doing is parody, we don't have to go to those celebrity athletes to get permission to do what we're doing. We're making fun of them. When they're famous athletes, when they're famous celebrities, they give up certain rights for people to make fun of them and do parodies. So our attorney said, as long as you guys stick to doing entertainment and you don't make Ken Giraffe dolls or Cal Ripken 
T-shirts and try to sell them using his likeness to sell a product, you can do your entertainment. So we didn't have to go get permission from them. But Cal Ripken, of course, as you know, ends up owning minor league baseball teams in Aberdeen and, and, and on and on some other teams as well. Can can and and every time we, that Aberdeen would hire us, they'd say, "Hey, make sure you bring Cal Ripken up okay. here," you know. And then and it was cool because we'd go up there and we'd he'd be there and we'd meet him, you know. And and of course he knows about it. And he did a routine with Bird Zerk one time and have a fifteen minute conversation with Cal Ripken. Like I'm sitting here talking to you, it's like no big deal. Right. It's, he's cool as heck and he was great and he liked loved Cal Ripken. Ken Giraffe, I did I never met Ken Griffey, but. He obviously knew about our show and our characters because when we did a show in Cleveland for the Indians, they were playing Cincinnati, and his family was at the game, and he sent word down with some kind of an employee, hey, make sure we want Ken Giraffe to come up to the suite where my family is to take some pictures and stuff. Okay. So he knew about it and liked it enough to request us to come up to the suite. Anybody ever get mad? Dick Vitale did not like Dick Flytow. Okay, so we did a we did a um, some kind of a uh, a, sh- a show. We did a performance at a, some kind of conference that a business conference. It wasn't a game that he was a speaker at, and then the superstars were there as well. So it was sports themed that for the employees, and uh, we had Dick Vitale there. And Dick Vitale saw one of our guys. He's like, "Hey, don't you guys have to get permission to do something like that?" And we're like. No, not because you're famous and we're doing – it's just a parody of you and no, we don't. So he he wasn't particularly happy about it. But then later we went and did a Tampa Bay Devil Rays game and he's a season ticket holder, loves it, and sits in the front row and we got a picture with Dick Flytow and Dick okay. spraying silly string all over his bald head. <laughs> he's laughing and, and stuff like that. So And then uh, let's see, Nomar Garcia Parra likes Nomar Garcia Parrot and he's been interviewed about it and – let me try to think of. I, oh. I mean, if, at least from my perspective, like that's when you know you've made it when the superstars, par- you know, do a parody of you. That's what Nomar said exactly in in the interview when he's like, you know, that's when you know you've made it. And we actually have Nomar's wife, Mia Hamster. Okay, that's yeah, right. So, Perfect. So, so he's got he's got the bonus with with the wife. But in Roger Clemens, we have Roger Clemens, and so now we've done. A, a several events with where Roger Clemens, when he went back to the Sugarland Skeeters and made and did pitched for them, they hired superstars to be there that game. And then we've gone back and done some of his celebrity softball games back in Texas and Oklahoma, where they have the big Red River Red River rivalry games. And he, and he's so cool and he's so awesome about it. And we've got a picture of Roger Clemens with Roger Clemens and Sugarland after he had pitched underneath the stadium in the batting tunnels and stuff. And Roger Clemens is sitting there in that photo getting his picture taken with Roger Clemens. And he's like a kid getting his picture taken with Santa Claus or right. Easter Bunny. He's, so, he's got the biggest smile on his point like, hey, I'm getting my picture taken with Roger Clemens. And uh, so it's, you know, that's, it's, it's cool to, to, to know that those guys, all they like it and they appreciate it. The skit in which the weird Al Yankovic song Eat It comes on and one of the superstars basically – Eats another, eats a bat boy, eats a ball boy, spits him out. Describe how this skit came about. So in our early years of Superstars with the characters, and we were at a dance studio practicing some of our routines and turning the music up and just trying to do fun stuff. One of the costumes, it was um, Clammy Sosa. He had some kind of a small hole in the mouth so that we could, I think, Originally, the idea was just to spit out a baseball or a bat or a glove or something out of his mouth after he could eat something. 
Well, one of our guys, one of our younger performers was a really skinny kid. And the hole we was big enough for like a kickball or something to come out of. And, and the kid's like, you know what? I think I can squeeze through there. And we're like, no. And so sure enough, you know, we, we tried this and, 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 the, and the kid was able to, to, to go through the little trap door uh, into the costume. And, and when he did it, it was just so funny looking. The, the visual was hilarious. And so then we started talking to the, man, the, the guys who make our costumes. We're like, okay, we just need it a little bit bigger. And here's what we're going to do. And, and so that's where, that's where it all started with the Eat It routine. We put the, the Eat It Al Weird Al Yankovic song to the routine. And then from there, that was a grand slam, that, that routine. Yeah, that's... I, I remember the, the first time that I saw it, it's probably the first time for a lot of people when they see it, and they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? They're, they're eating, wait, wait, this inflatable superstar is eating a human? Yeah. And then he gets spit out, and he's basically just in his tidy whiteies, yep. and he's running off the field, that's and it. that's when I totally lost it. Yep. That's our, I mean, that's the one everybody loves, of course. And so every time we do that, that gets the biggest laugh, and... and was there ever a time over the last 26 years, 28 years, whatever it's been now, in which you thought, uh, this is it, you know, it's, time, you know we, we, it's gone as far as we can go, and it's, it's run its course? No, and, and I, it's never, I, I, that's never, we've never hit that point. In my mind, because while you've seen us a lot, and while those season ticket holders at the isotopes have seen us a number of times. The, the ones who don't miss games, you know, they're there every single game. When we come to Albuquerque and we do a game for you guys at the isotopes, and let's say there's 8,000 people there, you know, that's what I think about is how many of those 8,000 people have seen us before? And I'll, I'll ask you, you know, you're, you're here asking me all these questions. Let me ask you, when we come, so let's say we're going to be there in June, and we come to a game June 15th, of those 8,000 people, how many have seen Superstars before? What would, what would you guess? At max, 500. 500, max. okay. So, um, but maybe, maybe even less, because maybe. most people go to anywhere from one to three minor league baseball games a year. So there might even be less than 500, unless they saw you on America's Got Talent or they've right. seen you somewhere else. Yeah, they, maybe they saw us on, on one of the shows that we've done. But let's even go and say that 2,000, let's quadruple your prediction and say 2,000 people have seen it. Well, those 2,000 people that have maybe seen us before, they go, oh, the superstars, here they come. They watch, this guy's going to fall down. This guy's going to, watch, he's going to flip over. He's going to bounce on his head. This, oh, watch, this one, okay. Well, I've seen this before. They're going to eat the guy. Well, you know, that can be their attitude towards it. And like, oh, I've seen this before. Or they can go, hey, you know, they're sitting there at the game. and The person sitting next to them, maybe they've never seen it. So they know what's going to happen, but the person sitting next to them doesn't know what's going to happen. And so every game... There's 8,000 people. There's 4,000 people. There's people who have seen us before, and there's but there's more people who haven't seen us before. And that's just the nature of what these sport, sports games are. So while we try and we strive to come up with new characters and new dances and new routines and new new shticks and, and, and the whole thing, there, there's also people who want to see us eat the bat boy you know they want to see the bat boy get eaten so if we didn't do that if we did went to albuquerque and did a show and didn't do that routine it'd be like going you going to the jimmy buffett concert and him not singing margaritaville <laughs> and the concert is over and the lights come up and you're like what the heck yeah he, he didn't sing margaritaville play you the hits yeah play the hits i don't want to go there and listen you know when you when i go to a concert i don't want to 
listen to somebody. Play. All right, here's a new song off our new album. Man, heck with that. I want to play the songs I can sing along to. <laughs> right. I want to, you know, so it's, it's – and, and we learned that from the chicken because we used to – you know, the same thing back in the day. Well, the chicken's going to do the little chickens, and he's going to coach first base, and he's going to do – you know, he's going to do – but, you know, you can't cre- – you, you know, that's his show. That's what he's created, and that's what works. And then you mix in a, a new song here or a new routine here and there, but you do the – you do the hits, and so I guess your original question, is there ever a time where you're like, okay, it's run its course, and and it's, we're done? No. I mean, really, it's, it's not. It's just a matter of, I think the thing is going to, the, maybe at some point down the road, there's going to be a time where I'm like, okay, I don't have the desire or the love to do this anymore. And the, But here I am 28 years later, and I still love going, and I still love seeing the staff in, in Albuquerque, Adam and John and, and the grounds crew guys. And, and, and now know, now that I know you and come upstairs to the press box and stop in and say hello to you or any of the other uh, guys. You know, we've, known, we've met so many people over these years, the players, the coaches, the umpires, and, and, and I love to travel and I love to come to Albuquerque and the fans there in Albuquerque, you know, those fans get into the game. Like, they, I don't know what it is, but they, they make noise and they cheer. And some places you go and it's like, hmm, you know, like, you know, I don't want to name any names, but like it's kind of the fans don't really make much noise or they're just kind of lame. Or I mean, NBA games. We go do NBA games and, and they, you know, they just don't, they don't, the fans don't really, they're too cool. They spend too much money to sit down low to clap and to say like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to clap for these inflatable characters. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of weird, but the, we enjoy, I still love it. I love doing it. And I know when we go do it and you hear the crowd reactions that it works and that people enjoy it. And the main thing is I know at the end of the night, when people leave the stadium and they're leaving, they're going to be like, that was a great, we had a great time at the game. We enjoyed that. I'm going to always remember seeing. And I want these people that are at the game to remember the Superstars or Bird Zerk or B-Boy McCoy, Russian Bar Trio, B-Boy um, Bucket Ruckus, any of our acts. I, I want the people to, to leave not knowing the players, what happened with the score or whatever, but like, hey, I saw the Bat Boy get eaten. I saw Bird Zerk throw the third baseman's glove over the wall. I saw Bird Zerk dance with the umpire. That was great. You know, that 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 I want that memory to stick with them like I've – Got the memories in my mind from Morgana, Captain Dynamite, etc. What is a non-sporting event that the Superstars performed where you had to pinch yourself that you can't believe that you're actually doing this here? Well, I'd say America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. You know, when they called us and said, we want you guys to be on America's Got Talent, I'm like, okay. I had heard of that show because we were in – it was the third year that we got to do it, um, year three, season three. And they called and said, we want you to be on America's Got Talent. And, and I'm like, well, you know what? I've heard of that show, and I know it's a pretty big, popular show. I, don't, I didn't really, hadn't really watched much of it, but I'm like, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be on TV. And, and so when, when we got to do that, and it was 2008, that was pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was a neat deal. It was just the fact to, to fly to Los Angeles and go to Hollywood and then make it past the first round and then go to Las Vegas for the next round and – and then to go and, and now you're in all these rooms and hanging out with all these other entertainers who are good singers or they're acrobats or magicians or whatever they might be. And you've you got all this downtime just to get to meet all these people that do something similar to what you do. And, 
and then to see how a big television show is produced and made and all that goes into it and oh hey here's and you sit there and you're talking to jerry springer and it's just like he's nothing like and then you go over here and you film something and all of a sudden david hasselhoff walks in and he's like ah superstars and like hang on david hasselhoff knows about superstars and he's like you guys are great oh my god you guys crack me up you know and and so it, it i mean that all that kind of stuff is it's cool and and all the people that you've been able we've been able to meet from doing this and um so that was a pinch me moment i guess would be america's got talent uh you gave a shout out to dance and b-boy mccoy uh a couple of moments ago uh explain this the, the other spinoffs and how dance and b-boy mccoy uh joins this group of characters he's with us here in, in las vegas and it's uh 10 years ago where exactly here in las vegas where we first met him he was on america's got talent that same year and as i said we're we're sitting around in rooms like this where we're we're superstars we've got all of our stuff over here in the corner and then russian bar trio those guys are over there in that corner and there's probably a hundred different people a hundred different acts dance teams and like i said magicians and comedians singers and there's this little shy guy over here in this one corner just all keeping to himself and you know he doesn't have anybody with him he's he's a solo act he's 18 years old he's real quiet and at some point in time while we're all sitting around these rooms just wait you know we're all there's a lot of waiting when they're making these tv shows so they have you know get the all the production stuff lined up and how they're going to do this and that and and so I just kept noticing this kid this 18 year old kid but then when when it I don't remember how it came about where like we all just kind of started doing funny stuff in this room because we were all just getting giddy and we were tired of sitting around doing nothing. And we we started doing silly stuff, and he, he gets out and he starts doing what he's really good at, this dancing that he can do, this unbelievable dancing that, that was really impressive to me. And he did it, and everybody loved it, and he was really good at it, and he was funny, a funny guy, and but he's really quiet, really reserved. So um, we go. Then it was time to go down to to eat at the Planet Hollywood. We all go down to the buffet to eat, and our superstars, all five of us guys, are there. And then I look over, and and he's there all by himself again. I'm like, man, poor guy. So I like motion at him, like, hey, why don't you come over and sit with us or whatever? And and he did, and and we just start talking to him and hanging out and learning more about him. And and like, yeah, yeah, you're really good at what you do. Like, I think you could win. America's Got Talent. He was that good at. It. I thought I think he's that good and and um come you know come find out he's an 18 year old kid lives in atlanta and all he does is he does this dance and stuff with his buddies and they do it on the streets or they do it here and there and he you know he doesn't make a living at it or anything i'm like you know what uh we're going to be doing a show a baseball show in rome coming up in a couple of weeks because we were we were filming the show we were flying in that summer in 08 we were doing tons and tons of games with bird zerk and superstars and then we would then have to fly to Las Vegas for three days of filming and then fly back and then to Los Angeles. And so we were all over the country, barely getting home at all, uh, trying to do all of our shows. And I said, we've got a show in Rome coming up. Kenneth, Ken, and his name is Kenneth, um, how about you come up to from Atlanta? Why don't you drive up and I'll put you, I'll get you into the show, the Bird Zerk show. I'll figure out how way, you know, to do what you do. And he's like, yeah, that'd be great, you know. We'll get you in front of, uh, you know, so, so that, that's where I said, and I started just trying to think of how can I get, how, what he's good at, how can we get him 
involved in our show and implement him into our show in some way. So we did. We got him in Rome, and then we were doing an all-star game up in the Carolina Mudcats, and he drove up with his dad and did that one with us. And and then the whole concept of B-Boy McCoy, like he's a breakdancing bat boy, and because his stage name on America's Got Talent was Exclusive. So that's that was his his dancing name, Exclusive. But I didn't think Exclusive would work like at baseball games, like, you know, like if, if – Whatever team says, hey, come to the game tonight and see, exclusive. It just didn't really work. So I thought, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we're going to make you a dancing bat boy. What can we call you? And let's come up with this persona. And so I was throwing ideas back and forth off some of the different minor league people that we knew. And what do you think about this and that? And they helped come. They helped us figure B-Boy McCoy was, was a good name. That was his name. That's a very good one. That, that makes me wonder, you know, you're at a trade show this year and like you have been since the early 90s, and there's a lot of different acts that are trying to get the attention of, of executives, of whether it's minor league, whether it's major league, whether it's universities. It can be very competitive. There's only so much marketing dollars. What is, what is the camaraderie as you're all trying to, get your, you're trying to get shows? What's the camaraderie like within people in this industry? Okay, so you mean within our group or our group as well as any of the other yeah, acts? Yeah, any of the other there? acts. Okay. So Dave Raymond uh, was the Philly fanatic, and then after he left the Phillies, he had an, an act uh, that he started called Reggie. And um, then there's been – I mean, you know, there's a bunch of people who see what we do and think, oh, I I can do that. I that's that's easy you know i see what Birdzerk does is you know they're not that good you know they think or they're not any better than what i am and so i can do that so they come to the winter meetings and i can tell you in 26 years we've seen a ton of them come to the winter meetings think that they can do a traveling act and i mean the 26 26 years worth whatever it is there's there's none there's no other acts out there. The chicken has come and gone. You know, uh, I mean, there's I could I've, we've listed thirty or forty of them probably over the years that are coming that 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 they think they can do it or that and then it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Not to say that they're not a talented performer, but it's not just about being a talented performer. You've got to do, you've got to be able to sell the show to these teams. Like you said, there's limited marketing dollars and limited budgets that they've got. They're going to do fireworks. They're going to do bobblehead giveaways. They're going to do this and that. And if they want to spend money on national acts, they want a good one. They're going to want something good. Do they want to spend money, top top dollar, on some unproven act that's going to come in and not be good or that's going to bomb or that's going to be, you know, not show up or, or something like that? So I feel like we've done a good job of, you know, be, not only being – good at doing the act but doing all of the business side as well the marketing yeah but and i also think that because you continue to come up with new athletes and new names that you can keep it fresh not to mention those who are the performers you're continuing to add new performers that have that have the energy and the desire and they know the standard that you've set how many members of your family are now involved in this entire production of all the different acts well right now it's just my brother and i brennan brennan and i who brennan who owns the business with me that, that's it. Our older brother still in a pinch when we like absolutely need something, he'll come back and do something. But he's he's got other stuff going on now and he's busy and he doesn't, you know, he's not looking to go 
on to fly to Albuquerque to to do a one Saturday night and fly back. Um, so he's not really helping. So as far as the family goes, it's just my brother and I. That, okay. That's it. And at this point, my sister has helped us out with some some different things over the years. And of course, Dad's given us the inspiration on a lot of routines, and he's always there for us, giving input and in, in his two cents worth. But do other people come up to you and say, "I want to be a performer. I want to yes. be inside." Yeah, and actually, a lot of not a lot. I've got minor league ball players who have told me that triple A. Really? Guys. Yeah, yeah. Triple A guys. Is there any names you can throw out there? Um, there's a there's a guy. This guy who um, he had a dance battle with B Boy McCoy in, at the West Michigan Whitecaps a couple of years ago, and he was he was incredible, <laughs> and and he gave B Boy McCoy a run for his money <laughs> okay. as far as being able to just really good dance and they did a post game like a little dance off um uh burgos uh, uh what's his first name uh, Berg, burgos uh, alex burgos sorry it was what comes to me alex burgos is one who's a minor league player who who wants he he says hey man i'd love to do something like this when when my playing days are over okay there is another one uh there's been a couple of them who who honestly say yeah i want to do that a major leaguer lonnie macklin who played for the st louis cardinals you know, who played in Louisville, and I first met him back in the early '90s. He many times he's like, "Come on, man, I want to come back and work with you guys." You know, I mean, seriously, there's there's guys who would love to do the, this job, but luckily we have got we have a good staff, and the the guys who do it they stick around and do it for. It's not like you know we don't have guys who just come in and do it for a summer and leave. We have we've got our core seven or eight guys who do most of the shows, and um, and they're good at it. And they're great people, and they enjoy what what we get to do. I mean, I, I it, we're we're honored, we're we're fortunate to get to do what we do: travel around, make people laugh, and get to see the country. Or how know, many shows a year would you say you average? Not well, just minor league baseball, but everything across yeah, the board. Yeah, so it it's it's it it kind of ebbs and flows. So you know, from a high of over 200 250 with all of our acts and all that stuff and then if it's dropped down maybe down to 150 so between bird zerk and superstars i know myself i'm on the road about 100 days out of the year so i'm gone from my family almost a third of the year which is a lot and and so when people say well are you guys doing as many shows now as you were 10 years ago no we're not but it's not such a bad it's not such a bad thing right. i mean cuz if i was you know you, yeah I can't just do more and more every year because if I did 70 and they're like, oh, next year you're going to try to do 80 or 90. No, no, I'm really not. I don't, I want to be home. I want to, I like to go and I like to go home. I like to go out on the road. I like to fly somewhere. I like to go see somebody, see my friends and see these teams and see these coaches and umpire, you know, all these people and connect and, and I like to make people laugh and make it a great night at the ballpark. And then I like to go home and, and hang out with my family or any injuries for you or your brother doing any of these skits inside these inflatable costumes inside the inflatables um we've we've had our share of injuries with our crew uh, we had a guy after he got spit out in his underwear in norfolk go running down off the field sprinting down into the norfolk dugout not realizing that that there's a big concrete overhang and cracked his head oh. straight up on the norfolk concrete and had to go to the hospital, get stitches, couldn't couldn't go the next day. So we had to fly a new guy to the next city to meet the next other guy so they could do a show. This guy had to fly home because he was conked out. Um, 
We've had a guy hurt his shoulder, separate his shoulder. I got punched once in the nose back in my Billy Bird early days by uh, Coach Don Long. Why'd he punch and, you? Uh, it was part of, it was, I wanted him to because I had beat the little girl around the bases in the base race instead of letting the little girl win like most teams do. We do it where we win the race. And then we act real cocky and awesome like we just beat that little girl and while the crowd boos. And then we go to the coach and try to get the coach's praise and coach is mad, upset. And I'm like, okay, smack me across the beak. Well, he punches in the beak <laughs> and just hits me straight up in my nose, knock me out. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure I got a concussion because the next day I remember just puking all day. <laughs> like, like That was a concussion <laughs> for yeah, sure. Concussion, yeah. <laughs> this was in 93 or 94 in Midland. Uh, so, yeah, it I, we and then another time I broke my thumb doing a routine where I fell off of a bike when I was trying to crash a bike and I broke my thumb. So, yeah, I've had my share of, of injuries. Thank goodness nothing major. And but uh, yeah, it, it happens. It does. It, you, I mean, and I, my body. I'm 48, but I can feel it. Like all these pratfalls, all these things that we've done over the years. I can feel like, okay, it's starting to kind of catch up. Yeah, so that's what I was just thinking, and, and, and where I was going to go next is it's one thing where the fans are still cheering, the fans are still excited, there's new people who haven't seen you before, but at a certain point your body can't take, can't take it. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I can feel it when at the end of the night – when after doing the Birdzerk show and it's 95 degrees in Albuquerque and it's hot as heck and, and then you go up and you sign autographs and it's a packed house and everybody comes by and you're doing autographs for an hour and then you go downstairs and you take the costume off and you and I'm just dripping with sweat. I was and, thinking how much weight must you lose? Yeah, well, on those hot nights, I, I mean, I don't get on a scale before and after, but I know it's it's several pounds. Yeah. and um, And so then... You know, by the time you take the costume off and you sit there down down by the dugout or the locker room, wherever you are, and and then you try to get up again, you're like, man, I can. I mean, I can just feel it. I mean, I you know, I, I can feel it. And then the next morning, you can feel it. And then what really stinks is then you get to Albuquerque and and you do all that. And then by the time you load out, and then you go out to the car and you load, and then you want to go get something to eat. And then you go over to what's my famous little restaurant there by the hot the university over there on the. The famous Albuquerque spot there. Oh, yeah. Um, What's uh, Frontier? There you go. Front, go to the Frontier and get some ranchero, whatever. Some green chili. Green chili. And do that. So we got to do that every every city we go to. Go to the famous spot. And then you do that. And then you go, to the, go back to the hotel. And then you air the costumes out and spray them down with Lysol and put them in front of the, heat, the air conditioning unit. And... And then it, now it's after midnight, and you got a 6 a.m. flight, and you got to get up at 4 so you can drive to the airport. And so you sleep for three and a half hours, and you get on a plane, and you sleep for a couple more. You know, so that, I mean, you do that two or three days in a row, and you're pretty beat yeah. by the time you get home. And then, um, so, yeah, my body definitely, it, I can feel it. So I don't know how many more years as far as that goes, but I'm, I'm in pretty decent shape, and I try to eat well, and I don't, you know, party too much or drink too much. So... I try to take care of myself because uh, that's important, doing what I do. And I, I, people are like, well, why don't you just stay home and just send the guys out? And I'm like, it's just, that's not as much fun. I like to go. I like, I'm a people person. I like to go and see things and, and talk to them and catch up with everybody. And that's, that's, just, that's what I do. I don't know. Well, what you do, what your brother does, what your staff does is remarkable. It is fun. It is uh, very unique. And uh, 
keep doing what you're doing because I've always enjoyed watching you guys, and I've seen you guys in a lot of different cities, a lot of different venues, and it's always fun. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that, and it, and it's great to get to meet you and know you here over the last couple of days, and and I'm honored. Thank you very much for asking me to do this. I like doing these uh, these podcast talks, and so thank you. Um, and I'll be looking for you, just like I look for all my radio buddies now across the country when we go somewhere. See who who the Albuquerque Ice Tubes are playing. So you're playing New Orleans, and get to see Tim Grubbs up there, or whoever it might be. And so uh, yeah. So now every time Ice Tubes we see you on the road, I'll look up, come up in the press box, and see you, and say hello to you, and. Ask you how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> Dominic. Such on. Such on. Suck on. Suchon. Suchoni. Sushi. Sushi. I like sushi. Sushwan. I like sushi. Just sushi. Dominic yeah. Litkowski, who created superstars with an exclamation point. Once mm-hmm. again, thank you so much. Yeah, buddy. This has been fun. Let's do it again. This is Life Around the Seams. Mm-hmm.